Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles this morning. Galatians chapter 5, and we are going to continue our study on the fruit of the Spirit. This will be the part two of it. There are nine qualities of the fruit of the Spirit that are covered in this section. And uh, we covered three last week. We're going to cover three today. And then next week, uh, Pastor Gary will be, uh, I will be here, but I'm going to be in Michigan this week for GMI board meetings. And Pastor Gary will be preaching on the last three next week. And uh, let's have a word of prayer, can we? Father, as we open your word, uh, we pray that uh, your words would be heard. Living by them. And so bless uh, your word to our hearts now. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I know last week that uh, many of you were gone because of the weather. And I, I just want to say, too, when that happens um, and we you know, have to make the decision whether to cancel or not because of the snow. And um, some of you live in other places where they handle snow a lot better than we do. We don't have the equipment and everything else to do that. You're not used to it. So don't ever feel bad or don't apologize you know, if we decide to have church. We make that decision. People like myself live right next to an arterial, and it's easy to get here. Um, others, you can. So we had to cancel Sunday school last week, and I know we did have church. And so many of you weren't here. So I just wanted to do just a quick review real fast from last week, um, just to get caught up to where we are today. And that is in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, because Paul is contrasting this with the work of the law. Now, last week I put this picture up and asked you, uh, what's wrong with this picture? And um, if you, so if, if you could ask somebody who was here last week, and they'll tell you, okay, if you like, because I told them. Now, what's wrong with that picture? Obviously, what's wrong with that picture is you don't grow a variety of fruit on one tree. And the point of that was to remind you in verse 22 that Paul does not say the fruits of the Spirit. It's a singular. It's a compound singular. And this is very important to remember as we talk about these qualities of life. We are talking about a well-rounded, a well-balanced Christian character, uh, a Christian personality. And it's not a pick and choose, like I'm going to be gentle, but I'm not going to be kind. I'm going to be patient, but I'm not going to be faithful. I'm going to be loving, but I'm not going to be peaceful. This is not what it is. It is a, it is fruit. And I asked, I, I, the, the picture I chose last week, and we can put up, is I, I chose a fig tree, partly because of my uh, own biases, but also because these, this was written to people who lived in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. And so this would have been a very popular and plentiful fruit, just like apples in Washington, you know, that they would have been familiar with, you know, Turkish figs. And so I, I chose a fig tree with the various fruit of the, the various figs, but they're all figs. They're not bananas, oranges, and apples. They are all figs. Because the idea that a fig tree that is healthy and productive produces a good crop of figs. And this is very important, again, to remember that we contrast this 
with what we read earlier in verse 19, that the acts or the works, which is plural, of the sinful nature, and he describes all these uh, negative qualities that we don't want to have as part of our lives, they are the production, the works, the acts of the sinful nature. We are talking here about the fruit of the Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit that provides the growth. And as, as we've talked about this, that we see these imperatives and these indicatives. You know, the indicatives that this is, this is, what, is what you are, this is what is done, and the imperative, this is what you should do. And we find that balance in our life, that if we, if we allow the Holy Spirit to, to grow in our life and produce fruit, that this is what the Holy Spirit can do. And this is the emphasis in this passage. It is the Holy Spirit. We, we see throughout this, this, this in Galatians that, that the Holy Spirit, it begins at conversion, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It continues and is sustained by the Holy Spirit and so will finally be established by God, in God's kingdom by the Holy Spirit. It is all by the Holy Spirit. So last week we talked about, first of all, love. Paul says the first quality of this balance of the fruit is love. And this is the agape love. This is the word that it becomes a kind of a uniquely Christian word almost. Even though it exists in the Greek language, it takes on a whole new meaning in the Christian community, and Christian writings. This love that is God's love. This love that is irrespective of what happens in return. It is a sacrificial, giving love. And we know this when the Bible tells us that for God so loved the world, not because it was worthy or because the world did anything that deserved it, God loved. Second we looked at was joy. And this is a word that uh, comes from the root uh, kara, which we get charis or charis from, which is the same root for grace, for joyfulness, for blessing, for thanksgiving. It's a multifaceted word. And the Bible tells us that we are to have joy in our lives, Joy that is, that is beyond the circumstances. And, and I enjoyed your comments and afterwards some of the comments we had about this, how, about joy and what this is that God has given us, this deep joy that we can have, even in, in tribulation and difficulty, that there can be joy knowing that God is in charge and the Holy Spirit is at work. And the last one we looked at last week was peace. And the word behind this, I believe, would be for, for, for Paul as a Jew would be the word shalom, which means more than absence of conflicts. It means health and well-being. It means, it means, well, health is really a good word. Completeness and fullness, shalom. That's why in Israel, when, when you greet, it's shalom. When you say goodbye, it's shalom, shalom, shalom. In Arabic, it's salam, salam. And this idea of health and, and a blessing of, of wellness. So the first three we looked at, love. Joy and peace. Um, some have, in some of the commentaries and some of your studies, and maybe you've looked at this, there are, you know, we can divide this up into threes, you know, the first three, the second three, and the third three. Some have kind of categorized them in specific ways, like these next three we're going to talk about have to do with how we treat other people. And then others say, you know, we might be going a little bit too far trying to categorize them so much as, and, and we kind of lose the wholeness aspect of it. Um, but we're handling them in threes. And so today I want to talk about the next three. Love, joy, peace. And today we want to talk about patience, kindness, and goodness. But before I do, I did want to draw your attention to 
Um, Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and verse 1. You know, this is a verse that I use um, consistently at some point in uh, wedding ceremonies when I am giving a devotional or a message for a couple beginning their life together. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And Paul goes on to say, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And the reason I put this up here, as we, as we talk about the next three, I just I wanted to interject here that the things that we are going to talk about are all qualities or characteristics of God. And this is the Holy Spirit that enables us to do this. And these are all things that are representative of our God. And so when, when Paul says to be imitators of God, I mean, think of that. This is, a, this is an imperative. This is a command to us that we are, we are to live this week. I am to conduct my life this week as if I am imitating God. As if I am imitating or trying to live a life that reflects Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that is what I am supposed to be. That is how I'm supposed to live when people I interact with, beginning with my family, my co-workers, my neighborhood. This is what I am to be, an imitator of God. And so are you. And so as we talk about these next three, I want you to keep that in mind. These are, first of all, qualities of God. And this morning in Sunday school, I was asked to cover um, Keith's class, and we talked about King Solomon. And I was, in preparing that, contrasting Solomon and David. David had his ups and downs. We know that. He, David was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But yet it does specifically say that David was a man after God's own heart. And when all is said and done, David is a man who, who finished well, who, who was a man who reflected the God whom he served. And as you read the Psalms and you see that reflection of his heart, of the God he served. The Apostle Paul and the other apostles that, that, that he worked with, and with Peter and James and all those men, as they went out, they reflected the God and the Lord whom they serve. And so I just want to encourage you today as we look at this first one. Let's talk about this morning, patience. That our God is a God who is patient. Another word for this you'll find in uh, King James translation, which I think is a good translation because it really is very literal, is the idea of long suffering long suffering now none of us like to suffer let alone suffer a long time we, we do what we can to avoid suffering let's be honest i mean i i do none of us like to suffer but when it's connected with the idea of patience it has the idea that there are times you have to take the long view of things and suffer long and oftentimes this has to do with people let's face it there are, this, this, this is true in my life and in your life that much of our patience and long suffering has to do with people. First of all, it starts with ourselves. You know, learning to be patient with yourself sometimes. As parents, you know, looking back now, having grandchildren, you know, having been through that stage of raising children and, um, we had a nice dinner last night, our class that the Dallas class put on. Uh, for the Alethe class, and we, they asked us to bring our wedding pictures, you know, and, and you look back on those pictures, you know, every so often, and you're reminded 
um, you know, how mature you were at 21 and 19 years old, <laughs> you know, in our case. You know, I look at some of the people here today at 19 and then, and I'm thinking, whoa, you know. Um, but, 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 you know, uh, you learn patience. You learn patience with each other, with adjusting, and as you raise your children, you realize looking back over it, you know, of course, how you, you have to take the long view with raising children. And you have to have that patience. And parents, uh, you, you know, you need to look to God for that patience and, and having that balance of that, of that long view. You know, every so often, every so often. Um, I, I see Van Warmers are here. Earlier, Gary asked if you were here, and they were probably out putting coffee away from coffee time. The flower up there is for their new baby. And, um, you know, we've had three new babies here. Uh, we're going to have a fourth. That's exciting. And, you know, every so often when I, I, I make myself... When I, when I look at, on Wednesday night and Sundays, at the little ones here, you know, the preschool children, the, el, the, the young elementary children, I, I force myself, I do this really, I force myself as pastor, as, as their pastor, to look at them and, and to look at them and imagine them as uh, young adults serving the Lord. And I look at them that way. And I think of that because that is what we're doing. As I mentioned with, with Dan and Barb, you know, our church has, we have so many people who are, who are serving all over the world, serving in other churches that were raised here, that were, were matured in their Christian walk here. And, it, and, and parents, as you look at your children and your grandchildren, you look at your little ones, and sometimes just reflect on that. Not, don't, don't miss these years. You don't, they, don't, they don't come again. Every stage is wonderful and every stage is different and has its challenges and its blessings. But every so often, look at your children and think in terms of, 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 this, of these, these little ones being fully mature, serving the Lord as, as, as we see this. And as we graduate our teenagers and, our, and we interact with our college kids, and I've had the privilege over the years of dedicating, as we're going to do with uh, Prigmore's little ones here, um, I've had the privilege of dedicating these children and also being a part of the significant uh, events in their life as adults. Patience. You know what? Our God is patient and long-suffering. This last year on Wednesday nights, Pastor Gary primarily has been teaching from the minor prophets and covering each of the minor prophets, kind of a chapter or a section at a time. I filled in a little bit. But uh, it's been a good group. You can join us anytime you want. They meet in the stage. It's kind of a small group Bible study, usually like anywhere from 6 to 12 people and 7 to 12 people. And uh, we've been studying the minor prophets. And I was happened to be in the one week we were in Hosea, which is a fascinating book. You know, Hosea is that book where God tells the prophet to marry, apparently, a prostitute and to have children by her, to name them. And to do so as a visual representation of what Israel has done to God. I mean, it's powerful. It's, it's unbelievable. No one else, you would have never thought of that. It's really hard to contemplate. And in the midst of this book of Hosea, where it's this constant reminder of how unfaithful his people have been, and God compares it to going after harlots. He says, when you go worship other gods, it's like going after harlots. You leave me. I am your first love. I married you. I, I took you. I betrothed you. You're my own. And you keep doing this and doing this and doing this. And he keeps predicting what's going to happen to them and how they're going to pay for it. But in the midst, toward the end of it, all of a sudden, in the midst of all this, 
But then God turns around and says in Hosea chapter 11, verse 8, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? And we see this throughout the Old Testament, that in the midst of rebellion and rejection, but then God continues to remind them that I am a long, I am patient. And I am going to be patient and I am going to be faithful to my word. And I am going to eventually bring you all back. Because God is long-suffering. He is patient. And so this morning, I just want to place this before you. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And, you know, and in verse 2, we, we see the same thing. Let me read to you Ephesians 4 verse 2. Paul says this. Be completely humble. And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit. Be patient. And I I ask you today, and I I beg you, some of you today, if if you need to, to to come before God. And and if if there is a person in your life if there is a person in your life, and it could be from any, any part of your relationships that you finally just had it with, and, uh, and you are done, and, and, and yet God has placed on your heart a burden, you know, are you really done? <laughs> that I want you to come before God and, and seek the Holy Spirit's power to be patient. Now, I know, I know this, this, this blends with, with being firm. I understand that, of course with being um, with justice and all the things that are with it. But at the same time, we are called to be imitators of God. And I want to just ask you this morning, let me ask you a question. And I'll ask myself first, because I know the answer better for this question. How patient has God been with me? How patient has God been with you? God is long-suffering and patient. And so I ask you and I ask myself this morning, is that part of the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives of patience? The next one, patience. And then Paul says we are called to be, this seems so simple, kindness. This seems so simple, it doesn't even have to be said. But yet as I read that passage in Ephesians and I, and I try to remind uh, young people as they are as they are getting being as they are getting married, and it could be young or older. I've done for both. And as we remind this, that be imitators of God as dearly loved children live a life of of love. But earlier Paul says in the previous verse in chapter four, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as Christ as, as in Christ God forgave you. And so often in relationships, and let's be honest, so often it's, it's the people that we're closest to that it's easiest to begin to neglect showing the common courtesies and kindness that I can come here to church and be kind to all of you. It's easy. I mean, you're nice people. But, but you know, we see each other on Sundays. I see you during the weeks and, you know, and so forth. But, but sometimes with the people that you are closest to, is why is it the easiest to have a sharp tongue? Why is it so easy with the people closest to you to hold a grudge, um, to, to, to be discourteous? You know, I thank God for, for the heritage I have 
uh, in my Christian family. I was thinking about, you know, Dan and Barb with Wycliffe translators. I think back when my mom, after my dad had died, my mom had to go to work. Um, she didn't have any money, and she went to work full-time at a fraternity home cooking. And boy, she worked hard. She'd come home from work, plop herself down, and she couldn't even walk without her crutch, literally, because it was so hard being on her feet all day working there. But in the summertime, in the summertime, Wycliffe Bible translators for about four years rented the fraternity home and held their summer institute of linguistics and hired her to cook. And I'll tell you, during those summer months, she just radiated joy. She just loved being part of that missionary work and the people that were involved with Wycliffe and the Bible translators. And that, and that, that through the spirit that, that, you know, of being with those people that were serving God like that. And, and I look back on the heritage I have from my fam, my mother especially, in this church, and I think back on my in-law, Gary's grandparents, my kids' grandparents, and my father-in-law, who constantly, um, along with saying, don't forget to pray, which every time he left his presence, don't forget to pray, um, was a constant reminder of being courteous and kind to your spouse. And, and he lived that. He lived that in front of us. He lived that in front of us, of practicing courtesy and kindness to his wife. And uh, I just want to put that out for you today, friends. A fruit of the Spirit. It almost sounds like it shouldn't have to be said, but it's kindness. It's kindness. And the first people that should experience that fruit are those closest to us. You know, we live in a world where there is so much unkindness. You know, there is so much unkindness today on the airwaves, in the media especially. That This has just changed in our lifetime, in my lifetime, in our kids' lifetime. There is so much unkind, and there is so much more opportunity today for our unkindness to go out to so many people with a click of the mouse. You know? And, and I, wanna, I also want to caution you. You know, I, I'll just give you a little pastoral caution here. I do this to my own kids in their professional lives, and, but also in your, your daily lives. Um, if you put something in email that you, that you are not willing to assume is going to be public and everybody's going to read, I wouldn't put it there. I wouldn't put it on Facebook. I wouldn't put it in an email. I wouldn't put it anywhere else. If you're not willing to assume at some point, everybody I know is going to read this. Because once it's there, it is there. And it is easy for everybody to read it. And be careful what you say about people. Be careful about your kindness and, and the things you might say about other people. Because the opportunity today, friends, for us to be unkind to one another and to other people is so available. More than any other generation in history, we have that opportunity. And you know what? You don't have to listen to the radio, the television, the rants, and everything else. Our world is so much unkindness. God has called us to shine as a light. We are supposed to be lights. And we should be different. Listen, friends, at your place of work and employment, people should know that you should be known as a kind person. You should stand out. You should stand out like a sore thumb as a kind person. And you know what? Not everybody's going to like that. Not everybody is going to like you being a person who is showing the fruit of the Spirit. But that doesn't matter. God has called us to be kind.
Why? Because he is kind. And the Bible over and over and over reminds us that God is kind. In the book of Romans, we see there are several passages, and and it's interesting how how Paul combines this in Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, and in verse 4, Paul says this, Do you show contempt? Talking about how you respond to God. Do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, His tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. We don't take advantage of God's kindness. This is, the, this is justice and, and, and firmness as well, that, that balance with God's kindness. And you'll see the same thing in chapter 11 and 22, but in, in, in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 6, we read this. You see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God's kindness. And I want to encourage you this week, my friends and family of God, that your life should evident. It is all over Paul's epistles to the church. It's all over our Lord's teaching when he was on earth. It's all over the Old Testament. We are to be kind people. And I tell you, it will be so refreshing It will be so refreshing for people to be around you. Don't you like to be around kind people? Don't you like that? Don't you like those kind of people? Think of the kind of people you like to be around. We like people to be kind. We like people to be good. We like people to be patient. We like people to be joyful. We like people to have love. All these things that God is and God has asked us to do. And the last one this morning, the last one is goodness. Again, it is so obvious it is so simple. I mean, it's like, why does it even have to be said? It has to be said. Because it is so obvious and it's so simple that these are the things, are the easiest things in the world for us to lose. Again, with those closest to us. It is so easy. But God has called us to be good people. The word for this, when you study Greek in Bible college or seminary, and you study the, uh, the tables and the paradigms of, of the, the, the declensions, the one that seems like every book uses is agathos. Agathos, which is the Greek word for good. And this is the word that Paul uses here. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a beautiful word because it, it, in the Greek language, it speaks of benevolence, Benevolence, you know, we have at our church a benevolent fund that we, that we just have opportunity to use to help people when they have needs. And we ask you every so often to make a donation, like during communion time, or any time you want, above and beyond your regular giving. If you make a donation to our benevolent fund, it's at the discretion of the elder boards, up to a certain amount of the pastor and the elder chairman, when something comes up, to just come to someone and say, hey, listen, we want to help you. You know, this, this is a church family uh, you're part of our church family, and we know there's a need right now, and, and we want to just reach out and help you. This is benevolence. Doing something. Generosity. Benevolence. Goodness. If, if, we use the, if we use the phrase, you know, going the second mile, or even if we say, you know, someone did this just out of the goodness of their heart. That's the word here. It's just, it's a, it's a motivation. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ability 
to just do something good for someone because you love God and you love them. And we do this because God is good. Aren't you glad you don't serve a bad God? Come on, say amen. Aren't you glad that you don't serve the fickle gods of old literature and of mythology that get jealous, that get mad, that have affairs and all this crazy? You know, this, our God is good. In fact, when the Lord Jesus Christ, you remember the story when he was on earth in the Gospels? And someone came to him and said, good teacher, good teacher, I want to ask you. And Jesus stopped them. Remember when Jesus stopped him? And what did he say? Why do you call me good? He just stopped. Why do you call me good? Do you not know there is only one that is truly good? That is God. Do you not know that only God is truly good? Well, obviously, what was Jesus saying? You're calling me God. Do you, do you realize what you're doing? Only God is good. Only God is completely and, and, and genuinely always, always good. And this is, you know what? There are times that people, and, and, and I get asked questions, of course, as a pastor, and you do too. Well, how, how, could, how could, what does God do with all the people in the world who have never heard about Christ? Why does God allow all this suffering? Why did God allow things like the Holocaust and slaughter and so on? Why, 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 why? You know what? There comes a point where I have to, I, I, I just, and I'm not embarrassed to say, I, I don't have to, I don't have to answer for God for everything. And I don't, I'm not embarrassed to say, you know what? I don't know. It doesn't all make sense to me, but I do know this. I serve a good God. And ultimately, I will understand that everything works out for God's good and for our good because He is a good God. And I have to leave it there. Yes, there is justice. Yes, there is sternness. Yes, there is punishment. But at some point, I have to let go and say, God is good. That's the God that I worship and the God that I love. God is good. And so today, friends, this is the last one we're going to cover today. Are you being a good person? You know, that's what we ask our kids, right? Be good, right? Be good today. Be good. And I want to ask myself. I'll ask myself first as I leave these doors today. Jim, be good. (laughs) Pastor Jim, be a good boy today. You know, Kyle, be a good boy today. Al, be a good boy. Carol, be a good girl. Be good today. God has called us to be good people. And of all the people where you live, where you work, where you're at school, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex, of all the people that live in that complex, you should be the goodest person. Why not? You know, this last year at the Super Bowl, um, the quarterback, uh, Wilson, you know, often this story kept coming up about his his dad who, who told him, you know, why not you? Why not you? And he shared that with his team. Why not us? And, 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 and that's why I say today. Why not? Why not? Why, why, why not you? Why not me? Being the person this week that is patient, that is kind, that is good. The last slide I want to put up, I just I want to go back to where we started. Uh, Cliff, with the next slide, just, just the tree, to just remind you that 
You know, when you look at the when you look at the fruit on a tree, this happens to be a fig tree, and you, in fact, you have to look pretty carefully. You see the you see the purplish figs in front. They're ripe. They're ripe. They're ready to be picked. And if you go down to the public market or some of your local stores at a certain time of year, you'll find them in baskets, and they're soft and they're purple and they're really sweet. They're really sweet. They're, they're great. They're great. You'll notice behind them. Are, you look carefully because they're kind of camouflage of the green figs. They are not ripe yet. Uh, that's why I cut my tree down. <laughs> but they, are, they never ripen. But they, they're hard. And, and I, you know, I, I just wanted to enjoy them so much. I'd pick them and eat them anyway. And they're hard. They're not sweet. They ooze this white sticky stuff. It's just a mess. And it's just, you know, they're not ripe. But they are fruit. They are there. And they will ripen in Turkey. They will ripen. <laughs> and I, I listen, friends, let, let's go back to where we started with the patience. You know what? None of us today, none of your pastors, your elders, your teachers, no one here today, nobody here today is going to walk out this door and say, ah, I finally am there. I am always, all the time, Joyful, peaceful, loving, patient, kind, good. I'm there. No, we are like this fruit tree. We are like this fruit tree. We are in process. We are growing. We are maturing. But it's a sad, sad thing, my friend, for us to be a fruit tree with absolutely no fruit. That is not normal. That is not what God has called us to. And I just encourage you today to let God speak to you as you look at this. And it is okay to look at this and say, you know what, I really feel God has brought me a long way in this area. I've really learned to be kind. And I appreciate God working in my life. But I have to say, I'm really struggling with patience. Don't give up. But the goal is that our lives will reflect mature fruit and we will make... Why not us? Why not you? Why not? God could do this. The Holy Spirit can do this if you are willing. And that's why we closed last week with that last slide and I just remind you again, Psalm 1-3. The person who the psalmist described is like a tree planted by the streams of waters. Place yourself near the water. That's If you want to bear fruit, if you want to bear fruit, place yourself near the water. Place yourself near God's Word. Place yourself in prayer near the heart of God. Place yourself in the family and fellowship where we learn together and we teach and we understand and we have a chance to experiment with each other how we're doing these things. And we have a chance as a family of God to reach out to the world. Each one reach one. Our theme for our missions conference this past year and to keep in front of us. Each one reach one. Put yourself near the water. That is the secret. That is the secret. That is the source to allow the Holy Spirit to make you this kind of person. Why not you put yourself near the source? and see what God will do.
I'm not sure how many of you saw that uh, hockey game yesterday. I got up early to watch the last period. I don't know if you saw that game with Russia. It's a fun game, you know, so it was a good sportsmanship. It was a great game. Came down to a shootout. And this kid from Minnesota, I saw in the paper, evidently had some origins here in Washington, played hockey here. And how many did he hit? Four or five of those? Am I the only one that watched that game? Four, four out of eight and hit those. And I watched him and I thought, how did he get that puck past that goalie? The little slip between the goalie's legs off the side. How did he do that? And I'm thinking about how many times as a kid, as a teenager, for those of you who lived in Minneapolis can appreciate this even more, did he go out in that ice and practice, practice? How many times did he hit that puck at a little teeny target? And how did he do that? And I just want to encourage you, be patient. Keep practicing. Keep putting these things to work. Why not you? Why not us? Let's keep working at it. But let's let the Holy Spirit work through us. Let's put ourselves near the source and allow God to be God through our lives. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for... I just want to thank you today, God, uh, personally uh, and publicly for your patience with me, your kindness to me and my family, and your goodness every day, Lord. And I thank you for being that God and Father to this church family and, Lord, to the people here today. We love you. And, Lord, we just ask that by your grace and by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and by drawing close to the source, that this week will make a difference in someone's lives, someone's life, because we are imitators of the God whom we serve. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people, we pray together. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen.